from iHeart Podcast, Supreme, the battle for Roe, tells the story of the unlikely champions behind the landmark case Roe v. Wade, starring Maya Hawke as 26-year-old lead attorney Sarah Weddington. We're challenging the Texas abortion laws in federal court. And Academy Award nominee William H. Macy as Supreme Court Justice Harry Blackman. Time is not the most important factor. Getting it right is. Listen to the podcast Supreme, the battle for Roe on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. How powerful is Cox Internet? So powerful that one day your daughter will be able to simulate a soccer match against some of the world's best players right from your backyard. Get gig speeds powered by fiber from Cox. It's internet built for tomorrow, today. Internet delivered through Cox's hybrid fiber coax network. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions apply. Elite, Kenny and the Bucks, listen, this that undisputed, yeah, we're here to shock the system. This a war zone going down on Wednesday nights. This a fight, this is NXT vs. Dynamite. Weekly battles, rating shattered, this a revolution. This is change to what the game is used to doing. This is all about that dark and light contrast. Welcome to the Fight for Wednesday Night Podcast. Welcome, everybody, to another edition of the Fight for Wednesday Night Podcast. I am your host, Mike De Niro. I'm joined here, as always, with G-Rock. What a week it was for NXT versus AEW. But before we get into all of that, I want to remind everybody to subscribe to the podcast and leave us a five-star review. And also, go on Instagram and follow us at Fight for Wednesday Night. That's for the number, not F-O-R. So, De Niro, like you said, what a week it was for both shows. I know, personally, there's so much that I wanted to cover but yeah, first, way. I just want to get into AEW Dynamite. So this week, they decided to, to start it off a little bit different. Uh, they decided to they well they decided to start off with the the thank you celebration for, of Jericho. Yeah. Uh, which was very different because usually it is a, a match, um, or they kind of just recap and then go right into a match. But this was actually a segment, a promo, and of course, anything that has to do with Jericho is always fun. Yeah, no. it was definitely hilarious. They they had a lot of uh, elements here that was just comedy. I did like that they had um, his father come out, oh, Ted yeah, Irving. Yeah, yeah. He never was box. like, yeah, uh, Soul Train Jones, Virgil. <laughs> it was nice because like we see segments like this with Jericho in the past, like the Festival of Friendship, and you yeah. always expect like to come out laughing, and then you always expect something big. So it was nice to see that. I did like it. I did like that it was like a different way to start off the show. I just feel like since they're not used to that, it kind of threw off the pacing of the show because that first hour to me for AEW Dynamite was horribly paced. And I think it all started from the first segment going pretty long. Really? What, what, what did you think? I mean, after that segment with the, the jerk, like what about it threw it off? Because right, I'll me, say this. I think, I think some of the pacing was a little bit thrown, but I didn't think it was because of that. I think there's other reasons, but... For me, I just feel like since it was something that they're not used to, it was something where... They had to now change their format where they're used to match, 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 maybe promo segment and then match, match. Where here they're starting out with a segment and then they started out with a beatdown uh, angle with the Lucha Bros attacking the best friends, which yeah. led into a match. And then the females match after it, I just felt went way too long. Yeah, so that's yeah. basically the first hour there. The first hour felt like it really dragged and there was some spots where 
there were, ah, there were some spots that was really cold on that first hour. And I'm used to Dynamite being like a sprint where it's just nonstop action. So you have a whole hour where it's like really slow and lethargic. I felt yeah. like that's what kind of threw off the pacing. But yeah. they definitely picked it up towards the uh, second hour because the second hour was phenomenal in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, I, I personally I didn't notice the pacing being thrown off that much by the Jericho and, and the Inner Circle segment. Um, what I really felt was what you mentioned before with the, the female match with uh, B. Priestley and Emi Sakura and Hikaru uh, Shida and um, Chris Statlander. That that match, I, I do feel like it did go a little longer than it probably should. There was a lot of close you know, uh, finishes. And then we get that very awkward, weird finish from Emi Sakura, that pin. Yeah. I, I mean, here's the thing. It's like, I, I feel like now we're keep getting Emi Sakura like, shoved down our throats like the crowd obviously is not behind her yeah you know and i i I think i think as a wrestler i don't think she's bad i don't think she's great but i I think she's okay but it's really it's it's that gimmick that really throws it off and they try to build her up like she's some superstar oh she trained riho okay that's fine but she's not doing anything special and something that i really don't like and it goes back to what we were talking about a couple weeks ago about indie style wrestling is once again you have a match where it doesn't have to go that long but they're going that long so everybody could get their spots in instead of telling a story in the ring. I would rather a match go five minutes but tell a story than a 45-minute match where everyone has to get everything in but nothing matters. Yeah. And especially, I don't know how it builds the storyline of Hikaru Shida being the number one contender and her team losing this match to a, a person who already had a number one contendership match and, and lost. lost. So yeah. I, I, I completely agree. I think, that, honestly, getting on that on that point, actually, there was a couple of finishes that were a little confusing to me. Uh, that one, exactly the reasons that you just said. And then what surprised me was the the finish with Pac and Omega. Now, that's a great match. Yeah. And this is a trilogy. And like we mentioned in, in the previous podcast, that it seemed like it was, you know, kind of close together to be doing this. Yeah. But I thought if they did, if they were going to do this, if they are going to do this trilogy, that something good had to come from it. And what me and you thought was that Omega loses again, and he snaps. And, he snaps. Yeah. and then we see this, like, edgier Omega, which I thought what we were building into, but uh, that's not what happened. Omega yeah. just got the win, and it just seemed like... And we know it's going to a trilogy. If you uh, follow us on Instagram, you see that we posted the video of Pac calling out Omega for a third match and saying, give me my rematch. But it would have made more sense, in my opinion, to have Omega lose and just snap. I don't think every feud has to be a trilogy. And then also, if you want to go back before that... Another thing that threw off the pacing for me was right after you had that very long match, you had a squash match by Cody to build a segment. And that's something else that I was talking about, too. You don't have to have these random squash matches to build a segment. You had that with Moxley and Nakazawa, and now you're doing that with Cody. You could have just had Cody come out to cut the promo because we haven't seen him, and then he gets attacked by the Butcher and the Blade, which was a pretty cool debut. But once again, you're wasting time with a squash match. Okay, so I'm so glad you brought that up there because... uh, I was going to bring that up at some point, is that now it's starting to seem like a pattern that, yeah, like Cody can't just come out and cut a promo, or a Moxie just can't come out and cut a promo. They need some sort of squash match. Now, here's the thing. I, I was thinking about this, and I realized that I am not a fan of squash matches. I'm only a fan of a squash match if it makes sense. And in my mind, the only way a squash match actually makes sense is if you're trying to build a character. Well, that's what a squash match is for. And you yeah. have these guys who are already built. Yeah, I mean, if you're already if you, if you're already a star and the point is to cut a promo, there is absolutely no need 
for a match. I, I just do not understand it. Yeah, and listen, if it was Wardlow versus whoever this was, uh, Matt Nix, if yeah. it was Wardlow or somebody else well, that he, you're trying to build. He's a newcomer. He's a like, newcomer. Yeah, and yes, we don't and know much about him. Exactly. Exactly. So, yeah, in that, in that standpoint, yeah, that would have been probably the better way to go about it. And that would have made sense to me. But this one absolutely just, it didn't make sense. And just to me, it seems like they're just trying to give out opportunities. It seems like, you know, we can show your face for, you know, 20 seconds and, you know, at least you feel like you got something done. They give, they give the, you know, they give these matches, you know, extra long time to me. And, and here's the thing, like, I feel like AW is really good to their roster and to their guys, but Again, I feel like you could be good to to your 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 employees and still put on a better show. Yeah, G, I totally agree. And one thing that I'm really noticing is it seems like AEW is booking televised house shows, where mm, that's interesting. They're, they're not. We all know they're not experienced at booking a television show, and this is like showing it. Like they feel the need to have a squash match because that's what you do on TV, but you don't know where or when or how to actually execute a squash match you know you need action but you don't need everybody to get their spots in so what do you see on house shows you see matches that are not televised so they could do a little bit more and give a performance for the crowd yeah and once again this goes back to the conversation that we had a couple weeks ago that now you're looking at a crowd beyond the people that are in the venue you have to book for that and we're seeing a lot of i guess inexperience in that aspect i feel yeah you know i'm so glad you said that because I was gonna, I was gonna make that statement that I think they're they're still inexperienced. Um, you know, I'm a big fan. I think they're doing a lot of things right. Yeah, but same. you know, I'm gonna call a spade a spade. When you're not doing something right, or you, you you could do something better, it is what it is. You know, and I do feel like there's a lot of kinks that still need to be worked out. Uh, and on that same topic of kinks and working things out, is in the previous podcast we've mentioned about the explanation, right? About explaining things and not assuming that everybody knows everything or that everybody knows everybody and their past history. Um, going into that, so in this episode, we got another Dark Order vignette. And it was awesome. It was like Lucha Underground-esque. It was like movie quality. It was really dope. The only problem was is that they're doing it now. And After like we said before, guys. it's like, yeah, now here's the deal is that, so we mentioned this in the, in the previous podcast, but here, the, the thing that I have with this is that if they would have started out with the, with the vignettes leading up to the debut of the dark order, this would be brilliant. Yeah. This would be very much like, uh, like the fiend on, 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 on WWE. Exactly. You know, where you would get in the vignettes and you get in the buildup. And you're, you're you get invested before yes, the exactly, and I feel like they're going to make the same mistake with the butcher and the blade because here's the thing: once again, they're assuming that everybody knows everything because when they debuted, instead of the commentators being shocked, like who are these guys? You have Excalibur screaming, "It's the blade! It's the butcher!" Like, all right, you're acting like we are supposed to know that. Like, yeah. why don't you act shocked too? Like, this is a team that's debuting for the first time. Who are these guys? Like, I don't know. It just act. They acted like. You guys should know, this is the Butcher and the Blade. They wrestle in the indies of Chicago. You know what? Like, so, I, I, I like that you mentioned that because I think that shows a difference between the experience between JR and then uh, Excalibur. Because I remember back in the day, I remember when um, when the Giant appeared in WWE and immediately JR called, oh, it's Paul White. It's what he called him by his real name, right? Yeah. He's, and then, of course, there was uh, the Hell in the Cell when uh, Kane debuted. It's gotta be Kane. It's, it's gotta be Kane, you know what yeah. I mean? 
or I mean, and they, I forgot. I think somebody else debuted, and he and he acted like, oh, "Who's this? Who's this?" And they tried well, to. Fit- Orange Cassidy. Orange Cassidy was like, "Oh, who is this?" And then um, Excalibur was like, "Well, it's Orange Cassidy." Well, dude, yeah. like. JR was setting you up to explain that instead of you just saying like you don't know like uh, you don't you, you really don't watch don't think, YouTube <laughs> like you don't think JR knows you know the roster and what's going on like yeah so I, I don't know I, I that's something that that I hope over time they start to you know kind of flow better with yeah. each other I feel like JR and Shivani they've had history and I feel like they come from that like same old school style of, of wrestling and coveraging it for I'm covering it for yeah, years where Excalibur he calls PWG he's the commentator for indie super shows where exactly. everyone knows everybody and you have to be a smart fan to be in the building so yeah yeah yeah. besides that the main event I feel was very good I really enjoyed uh well wait a minute I'm sorry I don't, I don't want to control but before I, I jump into the main event speaking about explaining things so Mention before you you mentioned Wardlow right, and I just don't want to I don't want to skip the the Hangman and, and MJF thing right. So we get that match. We finally get this the what was it the Diamond Classic or whatever it was or the the Diamond Ring Diamond, diamond Dozen. I don't, I don't know the, the Diamond Dallas Di- Page match. The, <laughs> diamond Dallas Page Ring. The I don't whatever. DDP Yoga match. Yeah, so we get we get that you know solid match you know with, with MJF and Hangman and. You know, MJF wins, and I thought that was—I thought that was brilliant. Yeah, I, right I kind of foresee that, yeah, because I, I think I mentioned that to you when we were watching it. That it sort of reminded me of uh, of Owen winning the Slammys back in the day, and that becoming a thing, you know, and him having those awards every time he comes out. And I feel like that's probably where they're going to lean with this, where MJF is going to have this ring, and it kind of builds his character, and this I'm better than you, and I have money, and I'm rich, and I'm good looking, and you know, and I feel like it, it, it the ring. Adds to the optics of him. Yeah. But this whole thing with, with Wardlow, like, I understand, okay, so he's aligned with him, but we still don't know anything about him. Well, I, I understand they're trying to go with the silent muscle type, but I feel like that would have been better if you're not doing that with, uh, with Jake Hager. Hager. Yeah, yeah. I, I was going to say... And that's say- why they have Hager talking now, I feel, is like because you can't have two silent muscles, because now Hager's actually talking a little bit. But before that, he was silent, and you remember they had, like, the whole, like, spoof on Cody's thing with, uh... Jericho's promo leading up to his match with Cody, and there was like a video package, and every time they went to Hager, oh yeah, 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 yeah. he was just sitting there silently with his hands behind his back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now I understand, like (laughs) they're trying to go for like we're not, we don't have to tell you what Wardlow's role is here. You could tell, which is fine, but you're just coming out of doing that with Hager. So now I feel like you have to kind of explain now, or at least give a reason why they're together because you just did that with somebody else. Okay, yeah. So here's the thing: is that I was going to mention exactly what you just said, is that it, it did seem like a copy almost. And here's the thing, I don't even need an explanation, but if they could show something, like, of you know, they had that little quick vignette where MJF was, uh, I think he was, like, talking shit about <laughs> about Hangman because of the upcoming match, and yeah. Wardlow was in the back, but it had nothing to do with their relationship. So I would have thought it would have been cool if they would have had like a vignette or something to show them, you know, outside of the ring, you know, I don't know, doing something, you know, or, or showing their bond or maybe why they're sort of aligned. Yeah. Whatever. Because only because they didn't do that with like, hey, your hair just came in and it was cool. And that I thought that was brilliant. I thought it was fine. There was no need for an explanation, but you can't just do that twice so soon. And I felt like I needed, I wanted something. I wanted to understand who's yeah. this guy. And, and here's the thing is that. You know, I feel like Hager at least came from a bigger promotion, so everybody knew who he was. Mm-hmm. Wardlow, I don't know. You yeah. know, I don't know. I mean, some of the more hardcore indie fans might have seen him and 
smaller promotions, but I don't know. Yeah, I, and that, that leads to another problem I have with AEW. I feel like they are trying to do stuff so fast. Protesters and supporters alike are lined up outside the United States Supreme Court this afternoon as a decision in the most hotly debated case in years is set to be delivered. From iHeart Podcast, Supreme, the battle for Roe, tells the story of the unlikely champions behind the landmark case, Roe v. Wade. Sir, I graduated the top quarter of my class. We, we just, just don't, don't have a spot for you. Starring Maya Hawk as 26-year-old lead attorney, Sarah Weddington. We're challenging the Texas abortion laws in federal court. And Academy Award nominee, William H. Macy, as Supreme Court Justice Harry Blackman. My chief qualification being... I'm uncontroversial. You know how we both ended up on the Supreme Court? Politics. Damn right. This may be the longest of shots, but it's also the last chance for a lot of women. Time is not the most important factor. Getting it right is. I'm trying to get you to stand for something, man. Now go to it. Listen to Supreme, the battle for Roe on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. Protesters and supporters alike are lined up outside the United States Supreme Court this afternoon as a decision in the most hotly debated case in years is set to be delivered. From iHeart Podcasts, Supreme, the battle for Roe, tells the story of the unlikely champions behind the landmark case, Roe v. Wade. Sir, I graduated the top quarter of my class. We, we just, just don't have a spot for you. Starring Maya Hawk as 26-year-old lead attorney Sarah Weddington for challenging the Texas abortion laws in federal court. And Academy Award nominee William H. Macy as Supreme Court Justice Harry Blackman. My chief qualification being, I'm uncontroversial. You know how we both ended up on the Supreme Court? Politics. Damn right. This may be the longest of shots, but it's also the last chance for a lot of women. Time is not the most important factor. Getting it right is. I'm trying to get you to stand for something, man. Now go to it. Listen to Supreme, the battle for Roe on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Everything moves so quickly mm. that it becomes 50-50 booking. And they're probably not even trying to have 50-50 booking. Where, okay, Lucha Brothers are still kind of in a feud with Christopher Daniels. But before that, we're going to have them attack the uh, best friends to start a feud with them. But this week, upcoming, we're going to go back to Pentagon versus Christopher Daniels. Because that was never settled. And mm. it's like, oh, we forgot. We never had a blow-off match that. And then on top of that... um, Last time we seen Cody, and we've been building up to Cody's return for two weeks. Last time we seen Cody, he was attacked by Wardlow. He was attacked by MJF. Yeah. And then now he's attacked by two other guys who doesn't look like they have any association with uh, MJF and Wardlow. Not saying that they're not going to go back to that. It's just, why switch off to another team attacking Cody? Why not have him come out, get attacked by Wardlow or something to continue building that story? Yeah, I, you know, it, 
again, I, I, I completely agree to Nero that it is, it does seem like the 50, 50 booking and, and it does seem like it's just a little scattered. And I was going to bring that up as well with, with, uh, Blade and, and the butcher and, and Allie and that whole thing happening. And I mean, th- there was no explanation for that either, you know, and it's not like as, as a fan, you can't really make too much conclusion. I mean, the only thing that we said was that it probably has to do with Brandy Rhodes um, because Awesome Kong attacked um, Allie. And so now she's uh, has a team and, and she's going after her husband. But none of that, we're just assuming. I'm just assuming that. You know, maybe next week we'll get some answers. But I just constantly feel like week in and week out, like I'm watching because I'm, I'm looking for some answers or some explanations. And I just feel personally, I just feel like I'm not... Getting them. It feels like I'm the continuity. More questions than answers. It feels like the continuity between episodes is not there, like it was in the beginning of their debut on TV. And if this was WWE, everybody would be killing it right now, and that's a problem because everyone is still like, "Oh, but it's fine, it's great, it's yeah. amazing." All right, but let's not have double standards here because WWE has the same problems, and it's like, "Oh, I hate WWE because of the fifty-fifty booking." Yeah. There's no continuity between storylines. And then look at what AEW is doing, and it's like, oh, but it's still an amazing show. Come on, guys. <laughs> you know what? I, I'm realizing that that kind of describes me as well. I, I, I'm I'm really big on AEW, and I, I want them to be a driving force, and I want them to compete head-to-head with, with WWE. Of Just course, because, so do I. Yeah, I mean, because I mean, more wrestling is great. You know what I mean? So I want them to succeed. And I, I think that my wanting this, and, and I think I, I also was looking at all the positives, all the great stuff... But now, since we're doing this podcast, and the more we do it, the more I'm going through the shows with like a fine-tooth comb, and I am seeing now what you're seeing, and I don't want to be biased, because you're right, if WWE does this, I'm shitting on them all day, all day I'm shitting on them, and I don't want to, you know, make exceptions, because, oh, it's AEW, and I mean, I love AEW, and I love what they're doing, and I, I do believe that this is... Inexperienced, though. I'm, I'm seeing that a lot online. There's a lot of AEW apologists or AEW fans that are, there's no wrong being done. And it's like, come on, let's not act like every show's been perfect. Yeah, yeah. I mean, hey, when they hit, sometimes they hit very well, but then sometimes... The misses are misses, you know? Yeah, you know, but I, I think overall, I mean, I, I think they're I think they're doing a, a, a fair job. I think it's a good job, but again, it's the inexperience. And, and rushing things, because, all right, even this show ending was an example of them rushing things mm. because now you have Moxley coming out after the Jericho Scorpio Sky match and he's basically proclaiming that I'm next in line for a title shot but it's still the first year this is a match I feel should well, be a money match that you build up to let, let, let me cut you off real quick so I agree with that I, I, I completely agree with that De Niro that this is a money match and here's the thing that I was going to say is him making that that proclamation of kind of being number one contender well, the rankings show that he's the number one contender. And that's where you're going to get problems with the rankings. That's what I was going to say, is that we talked about last week about Riho kind of pigeonholing them and to what kind of matches they can do to get yeah. the best out of her, right? And I feel like these rankings are might start to catch up to them. Now, I don't know. You know, we're only making speculation. You know, this could be the start of a long feud. Like, it, it should be. Like, I feel like... These are your top two stars, right? They both have so much momentum. And I agree with you being rushed because I don't think right now is the time to pull the trigger on this match. Not at all. But if you look at the rankings, he's a number one contender. So where does Jericho go from here? You, you can only delay this feud yeah. for so long. I feel like right now, AEW is putting all their chickens in one basket and they're going all out too soon. But here's the thing too. I feel like uh, as a fan, and I know other fans do this as well, 
is that sometimes we jump ahead. We think we're looking into the crystal ball and we see the next booking for the next four pay-per-views. And, you know, we see the whole year. Like, no, no, no. Uh, yes, you know, Moxley came out and is making the stand for the title, but we don't know. Maybe, maybe this week or the following week he has a match and he gets derailed. You know what I mean? And it bumps him off of the number one contendership match. Yeah. So there's a lot of ways. They could still slide their way out of it, but I'm just thinking... Well, I hope so, because I just feel like if you're if you're just blowing off all your top matches, the rematch is not going to be as good as the first match, or it could be, but the storyline doesn't seem to be there if it's the main driving force to this story is, I'm number one in the rankings, you're champion. You know what I mean? Yeah. There's yeah. no blood feud. It's not like Cody and Jericho where they could have did another match. Like, they could have built that up a little bit more and had a run out of those two, because... You had Jericho talking about Cody's dad. You had the... Uh, it was just the whole force of inner circle versus elite. You could have built up to more matches to just one blow off onto the next. Yeah. No, and that's I, I what agree. they are doing. So I'm just going by what they've been doing lately. Overall, I think AEW's uh, show was good. The second half was a lot better. The first half I, I felt was really dry and bland. And yeah, I feel like I'm hoping for a better show next week. Let's get into NXT. We're coming, from, we're coming out of the... War Games Fallout, and I loved how this show started with a celebration with uh, Josiah Williams. If you don't know who that is, he's the kid who's been putting up uh, NXT and WWE rap videos for their stars, and he actually got signed to NXT for it, and but I'm a big what, fan of his. But you know what, though? Here's another thing, too. Is speaking of explanation, they didn't say anything. Uh, at least, it well, they, they, my they, head. They, they, did, they did before when uh, he performed Adam Cole to the ring in one of the takeovers. They explained who this kid was, but... It was a nice way to celebrate. It was a cool way to like start the show because I'd never seen like the whole yeah, roster come out and have different. a party with the fans. And you know, I, I thought that was interesting because of what we mentioned uh, in the past about Survivor Series, and um, we thought, okay, now that it's over, like it was for bragging rights. So what the fuck does that mean? And where did we, you know, how does this transpire into you know the next episode and moving forward? Like, what does this mean for NXT moving forward? And I thought it was it was, it showed a little continuity of a celebration because they did win, you know. Um, I guess brand supremacy yeah where on Raw you didn't see much coming out of Survivor Series and on Smackdown you didn't see much coming out of Survivor Series so it was nice to actually see that um as always as expected matches on NXT are just phenomenal and I feel like you have that well-paced show when it comes to the matches this show especially felt very well-paced and didn't seem like any match overstayed its welcome to me I really was a fan of the uh, the first match with Keith Lee and Don Dominic Dajakovic and uh, and Bobby Fish and Kyle O'Reilly. Even when Bobby Fish got injured and having Strong take his place, it still was a very solid match. So so uh, again, I'm gonna cut you off here, Mike. Uh, I was I, I was really interested with this because I, I think I mentioned it to you um, off off the podcast that it seemed like we were we were being built to a Keith Lee and Dominic Dajakovic tag team. Right now, we've been saying this since uh, the trilogy, right? Usually, you know, when that happens, something brews from it, something bigger. And as we've seen in the past with Cesaro and Sheamus, after their, you know, killer trilogy, they went on to form the bar and they, you know, killed it in the tag team division. And I thought we were going to see the same thing here. And when uh, when we got Keith Lee and, and, and Dominic going against Fish and O'Reilly for the titles... I thought, okay, here's a way to make a statement, and here's a way to keep them as a tag team, right? So they surprise and shock the world, and they be, you know, Fish and O'Reilly and be, become the tag team champions, and now you can start a run with them being a tag team. Now, here's the deal, is that, okay, so 
fine if you didn't want to do that, okay? Fine if that wasn't in the plans. But I thought it was interesting because during the match, Fish ends up getting hurt, right? And then Roddy comes in with the save. He comes in with his fucking pants yeah. and, you know, and jeans and sneakers to to come out and, and, and help. And I thought that was amazing on, on Roddy's part. And it showed, like, it really was, you know, this is real. But I thought, if anything, now's the time to call the audible. Because we didn't know at that moment what happened with Fish. We don't know if it's going to be extensive. So that would be the perfect time to drop the titles. And they didn't. I, I feel like right now... The Undisputed Era is running so well with those titles. I want all the titles to stay on them. And if you just give the titles to uh, Dijakovic and Keith Lee now, I feel like it's just hot-shotted. Where you could literally just keep this the way it's going. I like the way that Adam Cole came out and distracted Keith Lee. Keith Lee went on the outside and that's how uh, Dijakovic got pinned. But the thing is, I feel if you just have them win the title now it takes away from that slow build. And something NXT does very well, and WWE's conditioned us to want like fast results, NXT takes that slow build and that journey. So when they do finally win the titles, it's a lot more important and a lot more bigger than giving it to them now. You understand? Because yeah. even even if Fish is hurt, we did see in the past Kyle O'Reilly and Roger Strong as a team. It's not like they just threw them together. Yeah, and yeah. they were... Uh, very well attacked and they were the tag team champions at mm-hmm. one point when fish was out for a while so it's not like there was they were going against an inexperienced tag team True. so i feel like if they actually have them build up to it it would be a lot more important than just calling the audible on the spot and, and, you know and don't get me wrong i love i love the slow build and that's what we were just talking about with aw um and with the moxley and, and jericho like that's what i want to see i want to see a slow build and you know then you have the big blow off because it means more you know, yeah. and you're right. I do want to see the rise of 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 a tag team or even a, a superstar. And you know, you don't want to see them get the title so quickly. It's just it's not exactly it's not rewarding. Nor do you want to see the undisputed era's dominance of NXT be stifled right now. Yeah, because but, right now I feel they're doing a great job being the top act. In yeah, NXT. I could I, I completely agree. They are they are they are the top team in NXT and 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 probably even the the, the top heels in NXT. Um, and they're just, they're, they're, everything's working on all cylinders, I feel like, for them. But I just thought it would have, I, I feel like it's cool every now and then to have a surprise, you know what I mean? Things that you wouldn't expect, just to make it unpredictable, you know? And the fact that Fish got hurt, that was unpredictable. So I thought, hey, them winning the titles would be even more unpredictable, you know what I mean? So I just thought, only because of that, strictly just on unpredictability, and that you never know what can happen. And I think we got that at the end of the night. Mm, very true, very, very true. First of all, not to skip the rest of the show, because the show was amazing. That main event of Finn Balor and Tommaso Ciampa was very good. And on top of that was a match that I didn't think they were going to go to right away. But it was done in a way where I wish... This is what I was talking about with AEW. I wish AEW would do matches like this that tell stories. Finn Balor and Tommaso Ciampa's match was done in a way where they could always go back to it because there wasn't a clear, decisive Mm -hmm. victory. Nor was it done where... Ciampa gave his all, Finn gave his all, and the guy who was the better man came out on top. Well, I, I think after after this episode, um, I think what they're what they're going to be leading into it's it's obviously going to be a triple threat. Yeah. Uh, so we got our answers with Finn Balor. He's not aligned exactly, with the undisputed exactly. era. So, yeah, because that, that's what you know we've been wondering for weeks now. It just seems like Cole just happens to 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 save Balor. Balor happens to save Cole, and it's just like. We didn't know where this was yeah. going or who was with who. Is he with him? Is he and I, I thought that was that was that was great. That was that was a great build up to this, you know. And if they are going with the the triple threat, like that was that was smart. Um, 
but uh, but yeah, I mean, I I think getting getting this match, it, it's not a big deal because, like I said, if the ultimate blow off is a triple threat, then this match makes total sense. Exactly, and the story that was told in this match was awesome, and that's why it was my match of the night for both shows because. They, you had two stars, the two top guys besides Adam Cole, if you want to go by a ranking system, number one and number two, battling it out, telling a story, leading to something bigger instead of just being a blow-off match that by next week we're just going to go to something else now. Yeah. Completely and agree. that's something that is very refreshing to see, especially from NXT. Yeah. Now, I, I would just be remiss if I didn't bring up that, <laughs> that crazy shoulder tackle that Cole got hit with by Keith Lee. He got Flying. pounced out of sight. <laughs> I loved it. I, I absolutely loved it. I, I, I like that they did that. And I like this build on Keith Lee, by the way. Yeah, that's a GIF moment. Yeah, definitely. Something definitely. that I guess a lot of guys are going for nowadays in wrestling is that GIF moment. And that's a GIF moment. That's a meme moment. And they definitely got it out of that. Overall, it was a wonderful show. And I think NXT had the better show this week. Yeah, I just think that... I, I think they did a lot of a lot of things right. Um, and... I think as well they they did the better show, um, but I think it's because they stick, especially with this show. And lately, it seems like they've been sticking to their format, yes. which is matches after matches, and they do a good job of telling the story in the in these matches. I mean, yeah. now we're starting to see it. It's starting to come together. We're starting to see the characters. We're starting to see the stories. We're starting to see. You know the the feuds that are going to yeah not be everything is so black and white with them. It, there's a lot of things that are told in action. Yeah. Now there's something in 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 movie writing. There's there's a, a a rule of show don't tell. And I feel like with the match after match after match, and these little segments like the like the Champa and and Balor and Cole segment, I think we're starting to see things being shown to us and not being told to us over a mic or over a vignette. And it could, it's really appreciated by me. I like that a lot. Yeah, because here's the thing. Like I said, this is their strong point. You know, when they gave Keith Lee the mic in his hands, it just it, it wasn't as impactful. Mm-hmm. You know, Keith Lee doing that shoulder tackle. How powerful is Cox Internet? So powerful that one day, your daughter will be able to simulate a soccer match against some of the world's best players right from your backyard. Get gig speeds powered by fiber from Cox. It's internet built for tomorrow, today. Internet delivered through Cox's hybrid fiber coax network. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions apply. From iHeart Podcast, Supreme, the battle for Roe, tells the story of the unlikely champions behind the landmark case, Roe v. Wade. Starring Maya Hawke as 26-year-old lead attorney, Sarah Weddington. We're challenging the Texas abortion laws in federal court. And Academy Award nominee, William H. Macy, as Supreme Court Justice, Harry Blackman. Time is not the most important factor. Getting it right is. Listen to the podcast, Supreme, the battle for Roe, on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. Was, yeah. was much more impactful than putting a mic in his hand. So, 
You know, like in, in AW, you can do that with Cody. You can do that with Mox. You can do that with Jericho. You can put the mic in the hand. MJF, you have a lot of strong. You have those guys that guys. can do that. Exactly. You know what I mean? With these, with, with some of these guys in NXT, you can't maybe do that. But now the alternative is that these are great wrestlers, though. And so you can tell a story without putting a mic in their hand. And I, I love exactly. that. And I just want to bring up, I just want to, br- actually, I want to bring up a few things. One thing about telling a story um, and leading on to that was Dakota Kai. We saw this heel Dakota Kai. She has a, a different uh, theme uh, entrance. She has a different attire. She's coming out with the, the knee brace from uh, Tegan Knox, which I thought yeah. was awesome. That was just, that's what I was telling you about. I think it was like off the podcast about how you build character. Yeah. That's how you show a heel. She doesn't have to say or do anything. Just by her walking out with that shows Boom. that. And that's what that's something I wanted to point out is because I was really curious, and I'm still curious actually, as to why Tegan Knox? Why Tegan Knox? Like that was her friend. Yeah, so we didn't get that, right? We didn't get that explanation. But I don't know, I felt I felt a little bit better with this than say with, with AEW and like Wardlow. Because with this, like she brought out the 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 knee brace. You know what I mean? And it was kind of parading it. And then she went against Candice LeRae. And, you know, it was Candice LeRae defending her friend, who she considers, like, a sister. And so it kind of, it built more to me. You know what I mean? And it just mm-hmm. seemed like they're actually going somewhere with Dakota Kai. And mm-hmm. I feel like, you know, maybe next week, or which is, aka this week, we're, we're going to see um, an explanation or, you know, more clarity to why. But I just And even like- if she never explains, it's like... The way they told the story of you could tell and the way it was built up leading to the heel turn, we already know why. And that's awesome. Yeah. It's because she kept on, she was irre- she was replaceable to Ray Ripley's team. Yeah. And when we needed her, it's like, all right, yeah, come back. And that lit a fire under her. So once again, it's that aspect of we don't have to tell you. You are smart enough to see what we're doing here. And that's cool because you see them booking for smarter people. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, very true, very true. Uh, I just want to point out that there was two really great matches on on this episode, and as much as we love the stories and 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 the builds and and the feuds, whatnot, is that hey, I still appreciate great wrestling matches. And one that shocked me was well, not shocked me, but was kind of the surprise match of the night was Shane Thor and uh, Mansoor. I thought they put on a hell of a performance, and you know you have this 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 guy Mansur who comes from uh, Saudi Arabia, Saudi Arabia yeah. and now he's getting an opportunity on on NXT, and I thought that was awesome, and you know he killed it with Shane Thorne. Like they, they yeah, that was a really a, good match, a, a great athletic, phenomenal match. Um, yeah, it was just it was just wild, and then another phenomenal match was uh, Tazawa versus uh, Leo Rush. Yeah, for the, for the cruiserweight. I just thought, I think this was like a, a perfect styles matchup. You have two guys that are similar height, similar styles, uh, super athletic, and it was just, it was just insane. It was, yeah, it, really it was, was a really holy good. shit matchup, honestly. And I mean, if you looked on the card, you know, if you see all the matches, I wouldn't expect like this to kind of steal the, the show. And I, I think yeah. it stole the show as far as in-ring performance. That was your match of the night? For me, I, I really do believe so. I think Tozawa versus Rush was match of the night. I think they, they fucking killed it. I couldn't expect anything more. Leo Rush comes away with the win. I think it, it, it it's cool. He's been on he's been on a roll ever since he's won the, the Cruiserweight. Um, maybe the moment of the night was Balor turning on Cole, but to me, match of the night was Tozawa versus well, Rush. The moment of the night for me was the pounce of... Uh... 
Adam Cole going through this. Okay, you know what? Yeah, I mean, visually. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, okay. Adam Cole was involved in both moments of the night. True. Good point. Good point. So Adam Cole is the wrestler of the night. (laughs) Adam Cole, no match, wrestler of the night. I like it. I like it. This podcast is finally going somewhere. (laughs) So yeah, a great show from NXT. Everybody go on the Instagram page and check out the ratings for this week. Uh, It was very surprising. NXT once again coming out on top. But more surprising was AEW's rating being so low. They garnered their lowest rating since starting on TNT. Yeah, I, I think it's I think it's really interesting. Um, we did see a huge difference in the ratings, and it was a big surprise. Uh, I just I'm not sold on it yet. I just think we're getting a lot of residuals from Survivor Series and and War Games, and I feel like NXT is on a strong pace. And I love it. Don't get me wrong, I love it. I just think moving forward, I think we're going to start seeing the numbers even out. I really do believe that both shows are going to be very close, like they were the previous week. I think that was more telling of what we're going to see moving forward. But then again, I don't know. It seems like each show, they have their spurts, where they put on a couple of weeks of, of great of great television, and then it, it kind of dips down a little bit. And just, then the other like, show yeah, picks it up. Just just like any show. Like, tell me one TV show that you've seen where every single episode was amazing. Like, you're going to have your slower episodes. Yeah. And especially the day before Thanksgiving. I don't think... I don't know. It just felt like maybe... I don't know. I don't know what it was. It was more relaxed for Maybe. Because, yeah, that was, I mean, that was probably the worst episode since being on television. But, um, uh, I mean, after, it, it, they just, they killed it. You know, they, they've been killing it. They're on a good tear. I think they're, they find their niche with this, you know, match after match after match. And, and the way they're telling the stories and, and building. I think they, I think they're on a tear. I think NXT is, is killing it. And speaking of that, I just want to bring up one thing is that, so, one thing I did notice is that. Morrow was not on the show, right? And for people that don't know, uh, Corey Graves made a yeah, couple of yeah. comments, um, kind of critiquing uh, Morrow. Now, I think I think Corey Graves went about it in the wrong way. I think he should have talked to him if he had something to say. And I think the way he, he went about it on Twitter was a little harsh. And now, he, He's since apologized for it. And yeah, yeah. Now, and I understand that. And... But here's the deal. The reason why I'm bringing this up is because I don't think he was wrong, though. I do believe there's merit to what he was saying. And on this show, I can see it. Because Tom Phillips was calling the show as the play-by-play. And I felt like throughout this show, we got to see or hear more... Nigel and Beth. Nigel and Beth. And it seemed more cohesive. I do feel sometimes... I And I love Marl. I, 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 I love his commentary. I mean, sometimes it gets a little much. And it, he he, just, really he just overpowers the booth. And that's what I was gonna say is that he kind of in a in a way kind of almost steals it. It's to the point where the crowd is chanting "Mamma Mia," you know what I mean. So it's almost like, and I understand that that's probably not his intentions at all. You know, I, I don't think he's a type that wants to steal the attention away yeah. from the wrestlers because he does all he, he he does everything he can to to give them praise and and to and to give them the respect that they deserve yeah. and calling the moves by the actual names and. Um, you know, I feel like he. I feel like he's a, a, a really good commentator, and I just think it's just his personality is just so large, and and on the mic, it's he just does steal the show, and I just personally, I just felt like I don't know if it was better, but it was dramatically different, um, and I liked it. He he's coming back this week. We'll see if maybe he has a bit of a change because I, he definitely was affected by this and. Well, obviously, I, I mean, know. he missed yeah. out on the show because of it. So I, I think I think this week with him returning, I think it's going to be interesting to see if he is affected by 
these uh, comments by Kurgarees and if he tones it down a bit or if he still stays stays the same and, and still stays vibrant and, and excited and loud, you know. Definitely. And I feel with, besides the whole Mauro Ranello factor, this is going to be a big week for both shows. AEW has something to prove after last week and I want to see if NXT could keep... The turned. Yeah, I want to see if NXT could turned. keep that audience because now we're not coming out of Survivor Series. Now we're back to NXT as usual. Let's see if they could keep that audience. And I said something that NXT been doing well is with all this cross-promotion, they did make NXT look good and their guys yeah. look good. So for the people that are new viewers, they are seeing a good show. I really think that this is going to be a very telling week. Now, w- real quick with the ratings, something that I pointed out, it seems like every week we're seeing a, a, the same kind of total amount of viewers. I mean, sometimes it goes up a little bit, sometimes it goes down, but it seems like they're working with an audience of a little bit less than than uh, 2 million. And to me, that's a little bit upsetting because you do want to see growth. And I don't care yeah. if NXT wins the, the war in ratings. I don't care if AEW wins in ratings. I want to see that the audience is growing. And um, I think that's going to be the interesting part moving forward because yeah, NXT may win or AW may win, but are they able to acquire new fans? I, I couldn't have said it any better myself. And I totally agree. I guess we're going to see, this is going to be a huge week. Let's see how it goes. This was the fight for Wednesday night podcast. See you next week. Better sleep gives you the energy you need to spend more time doing the things you love. Your sleep equipment helps you manage your sleep disorder and live a more active life. But it only works if you use it. Sleep equipment manufacturers recommend daily cleaning, and SoClean is a helpful complement to your daily routine. Join over 2 million SoClean customers enjoying peace of mind. Try SoClean risk-free for 30 days. Find out more at SoClean.com. Always follow the manufacturer's instruction. Prepayment required for risk-free trial. For contraindications and details, visit SoClean.com. Order now and for a limited time, save over $60 and get free shipping at SoClean.com. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.